Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. From the Gert Boyle studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. The American Red Cross recently announced that blood donations are at a 20-year low, a combination of changes in donor behavior and a lot of weather-disrupted blood drives. No state canceled more blood drives this month than Oregon. Angel Montez is the Regional Donor Services Executive for the American Red Cross's Northwest region. Claire Murphy is a pathologist at Pathology Consultants and the Medical Director of Transfusion Services at Riverbend Hospital. They both join us now to talk about both the reasons for this blood shortage and its repercussions. It's great to have both of you on the show. Thanks for having us, Dave. Thank you, Dave. So, Angel, first, the last time we spoke was almost exactly two years ago when you were grappling with what seems like a similar issue, but at a at a different time, we were really still um, right in the middle of the pandemic. What has changed in terms of the blood supply in the last two years? Yeah, no thanks, Dave, for the opportunity to speak to the uh, current um, you know issues with with the blood inventory and the supply that we have. Um, I, I will say it's not necessarily just in the last two years. Uh, the American Red Cross right now is, is facing an emergency blood shortage, right? That the nation is facing with the, the lowest people of uh, amount of people donating blood in the last 20 years, right? So the, the Red Cross needs to collect about an additional 8,000 blood donations each week over the next couple of weeks just to be able to recover from that. And part of uh, there's there's many reasons why uh, we continue to struggle with having to go on on nationwide appeals or local appeals. But because we've seen a degradation in the amount of donors that are donating on a consistent basis, every time we have weather impacts like what we had here in the Northwest, for example, and not just here in the Northwest, across the country, the Red Cross during this, this winter, uh, a couple of weeks ago, experienced a shortfall of 15,000 blood and platelet donations that were not able to be collected. That means we're going to have to make up those units over the next several weeks in order to ensure that we continue to provide hospitals the blood products that they need, right, for patients in need. So it really is, the way that we've been looking at this for a very long time is that as our loyal donor base age, uh, we haven't necessarily had an increase in overall donor, the donor base to replenish even as as donors no longer are able to donate because they're not healthy anymore, right? So it's, it's, it's really, uh, a convergence of multiple uh, reasons why we find ourselves in, in, in a situation like this. And when you have weather that further impacts the ability to be able to collect, it further amplifies that, that pressure and that need uh, to ensure that hospitals and their patients are receiving the blood products they need on mm. a consistent and you know, quick basis. In other words, say 15 years ago, um, when you had a, a more stable donor base, if you'd had, if the system had then been hit with the shock of uh, of January storms, you would have been able to weather it better because m- more people overall were, were putting their blood into the system. Absolutely. So it continues to amplify that way. Every time that we have, you know, weather-related impacts or other impacts that are out of our control, because we don't have the, the same amount of donors that are donating blood on a consistent basis, it does make it very challenging. For example, the Association for Advancement of Blood and Biotherapies, they were formerly called the Association of American Blood Banks. 
they uh, put out a study that we've seen in two, uh, the last 20 years, uh, we used to have about 8 million blood donors that donated on a consistent basis. And in 2021, it was 6.6 .6 million blood donors that gave each year, right, through that study. So that that's what continues to impact the ability to make that product available and makes it harder for us to be able to recover every single time that we have situations like this. I can add a little bit more to this uh, specifically related to why we, we find ourselves where we are. Part of it, like I said a little bit earlier, is the aging donor base, right? If we don't replenish or have the ability to have young donors that are able to donate blood on a consistent basis, and I say consistent, meaning at least you know every couple months, every 56 days, at least once or twice a year, or you know up to six times a year if they choose to, uh, then it makes it hard if we don't have individuals who are no longer able to donate to be able to ensure the stability of the inventory. Uh, the way that we engage communities, as we talked about the last time that I was on the call, has changed drastically as well, because not only were the communities, you know, slowly the, uh, the way people engage in communities was changing, but after the COVID pandemic, people started working remotely, right? So you had big companies where we used to host blood drives on a consistent basis that no longer have staff in those buildings. So we can't collect those units that we used to collect on a consistent basis and we used to depend on. Um, I said on the previous uh, call that I was on as well that when we talk about high schools and colleges you know, during the pandemic, a lot of uh, that was more virtual learning. So we were unable to tap into that donor base as well. So that added you know, further, further concerns to an already fragile inventory that we have. Uh, and one thing that is extremely important to note as well is that prior to the pandemic, there were some eligibility changes that were implemented, like the min minimum hemoglobin thresholds, which that actually resulted in more donor deferrals, especially among young donors 16 to 18 years of age. Right? And so when you implement you know, processes like that related to eligibility, when you have individuals that are no longer going into their normal workplace where they build that community, where they donate together as a family, and when you can't, uh, tap into the schools like we used to in order to educate the future donor base. That's what's causing the issues that we have. That's why we had an appeal in September and now we have an appeal in January. And then with the weather, it makes it even harder for us to be able to recover and ensure that the patients have the blood that they need. Angel Montez, I want to hear more from you about um, what the plan is going forward to, to get people to get used to donating blood. But as, as I noted, Claire Murphy is with us as well, the Medical Director of Transfusion Services at Riverbend Hospital in Bend. Claire Murphy, can you give us a sense for the, the various ways that blood products are used in hospitals? Sure. So I can paint you a picture. So I'm a pathologist. Not a lot of people know what a pathologist is, but we make cancer diagnoses, like if you get a tissue biopsy or a skin biopsy. But we also run the laboratory, so we're in charge of everything between chemistry, what your sugar level is, to the blood bank. And the blood bank is important. I mean, we're talking about it right now. Essentially, the gift of blood is the gift of life. We, I walk into my lab and I look in the fridge and, and see exactly what we have for the day. And we maintain our levels. We, we look at our PAR levels, what are our goal levels, and then we contact our blood suppliers for um, things that we need. But we fill orders throughout the day. It could be um, outpatient infusion, so cancer patients that are coming in for platelets or unit of blood because they're undergoing chemotherapy. Maybe their bone marrow isn't working as well. 
mothers on the day uh, deliver uh, labor and delivery floors that may have may be hemorrhaging or managing some large car accident where multiple patients come in. So there's a lot of things going on in the hospital that we have to supply for. And you literally have a, a refrigerator or maybe a freezer um, somewhere there that where it's it's all stored. Yes, it's a fancy fridge, but essentially, you know, we open it, the door like it's a fridge, um, heavily regulated by the FDA, looking at temperatures all the time. But blood has a shelf life, like the milk in your fridge. Red blood cells have about a 42-day shelf life, so we have to make sure that they're not expiring and use them before they expire. Platelets are more complicated. They um, like tender, loving care and expire after five days. Hmm. So um, platelets are are easily um, uh, have shortage issues because we just can't keep them for as long. And plasma, we can freeze. So we don't have as much issue with that. Does that mean that... um the platelets that have only five days. So that's from the day that, that somebody donates blood. Um, then eventually if, if, if it's, it gets checked out, as I understand to make sure that it, there aren't, it's not infected or it's, it's safe for people to use, it gets processed, but you only have five days for that to go into somebody else's bloodstream. Essentially. Yes. Hmm. Does that mean that platelets have been hit hardest by the most recent storms? They can be. So when uh, the ice storm hit Oregon, we o- at one point we only had one platelet for the in- for the entire county, Lane County. And I got a phone call saying, you know, we have a bleeder in the ICU. We have a possible trauma that might need a platelet in the ER. And, you know, we're otherwise full. What if someone else needs a platelet? And we weren't sure when we would get our next shipment from Bloodworks. Hmm. When you say a platelet, a, a, a bag of Yes, of platelets that will then go on to uh, the the IV holder? Correct. We don't split platelets. Um, it's just one bag. Hmm. How much is is blood kept locally? Um, I mean, if, if someone donates uh, in the Portland area, how much of, of the stuff from their blood, the red blood cell, cells, the plasma, the platelets, how much of that is going to stay in the Portland area? It depends. So uh, I don't know the workings of Red Cross, but we use Bloodworks Northwest, which serves the entire Pacific Northwest. And if you are a donor locally and you go to the Lane Blood Center and you donate, all that gets processed in Seattle at their main processing lab into the different components. So we split it into red blood cells, platelets, and plasma. And um, so it has to come all the way back down to us. And there is sort of a surge storage area at Lane Blood Center to supply McKenzie Hospital, Riverbend Hospital, um, Florence, so that if we do have issues and our shelves are running low, they can supply us quickly. But otherwise, they would have to be replenished by Seattle. Hmm. You graduated from medical school about a dozen years ago. Have you ever experienced anything like the current uh, levels of blood products? So when I was a resident, I remember walking into uh, Bloodworks Northwest in Seattle, and essentially they used flagging systems, red, uh, yellow, and green for the status of the, um, of the of what components they had. And I remember so many days it was green. And the levels that we're getting used to now are essentially in the red. 
that you're getting used to. So basically what, what would have been seen as a kind of as an alarming circumstance in the past is now just every day. Correct. And we've it's the blood shortage has become the new normal. We have gotten more comfortable with having fewer red blood cells, especially O negatives on our shelves. And sometimes during the critical times of the shortages, Bloodworks will call us and say, you're only getting 10 O negatives today. Um, use them wisely type uh, messaging. And so we, sometimes we'd have to do a special triage where I would get called by our uh, medical technologists that run the blood bank and say, hey, these are our orders today. Um, who can we bump? What What does that mean? Can, can you give us an example of the kinds of decisions that that you have to make? Sure. So um, platelets are a good example because I get more calls on those um, since we're just constantly uh, having issues with that and say we needed that. I decided that we needed to use that platelet for that GI bleed in the ICU. And so we called the infusion center who also wanted the platelet to say, hey, can you reschedule that patient for tomorrow if they're stable and at home? Um, We'll get another platelet tomorrow for them, but I need to give this to the uh, bleeder right now. And then, I mean... Nor, what what normally happens? I mean, would the infusion center say, okay, we can wait? Or, I mean, I guess what happens if they say, this patient needs it too? Well, essentially, if, if we get pushback, I will look up the patient and uh, talk to their oncologist, is usually the person referring, and, and talk to them about that. And so far, you know, we've been okay. I haven't had any major issues yet, but we're constantly at this edge um, because we don't really have the buffer zone anymore that we used to 20 years ago. And in that example, I guess by definition, the, 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 the patient in the operating room, that's an emergency. The, the, the cancer patient needs it soon, but maybe not exactly today. Right. But if there's a, a, a motorcycle accident or somebody else starts bleeding in another operating room, then it seems like it, it's it's a true emergency. You nailed it. And so um, sometimes we get really creative. We'll call McKenzie Hospital down the road and say, hey, can we have your platelet right now? Or Lane Blood Center will maybe have one or two that they can send over emergency, emergently, and then they'll call Seattle um, to bring something down. But as you say, it's a, it's a scary place to be. And we've, we've been there before, especially in the summer with multiple traumas. And um, we just sort of hope for the best, but it is, it, is, it is scary. And that's why we need donors to donate regularly. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about the nationwide shortage of donated blood and what it means in the Northwest. Claire Murphy is a pathologist and the medical director of transfusion services for Riverbend Hospital. Angel Montez is the regional executive of donor services for the American Red Cross's Northwest Division. Angel, I want to go back to you just to talk about the enormous drop in in donors, in regular donors, which it seems are some of the people that you rely on the most. I mean, this is not to trivialize public radio fund drives in comparison to people on operating tables, but but it does sound like we both rely on people who who make it a habit of giving. And what you've said is that is that that number has has gone down. And you mentioned a lot of societal shifts that that are a part of that, uh, whether it's, you know, a lot of them pandemic related, fewer people going into the office, fewer people giving in school. I'm curious if you also see 
a generational shift. I mean, you talked about your donors aging, and this wouldn't be a problem if younger people were replacing them. Why do you think they aren't? Yeah, no, that's that's a really good question. And, and just to throw um, a stat out there, we actually had 260,000 young donors aged 18 to 24 that gave blood uh, to the Red Cross in 2021. So that's less than half of what we saw in 2019, right? So it's still uh, the uh, inability for us to be able to tap into that market, be able to educate about the importance of uh, blood donations and platelet donations on a consistent basis. I, I do. If I could interrupt, some- I mean that that to me, I don't. It does seem like that's potentially good news because it's hard to imagine anything being responsible for a drop that big between 2019 and 2021 besides the pandemic. In other words, it, it, that that doesn't seem like evidence that that young people these days just don't care. It, it it seems more that the pandemic was such a shock to people's lives that it changed their behavior in profound ways. Absolutely. And I, I would never say that young people don't care. I know that there's a lot of youth that are out there that want to support. They want to build a community. They want to make sure that patients have the blood that they need. Um, we are seeing a steady return, so a steady increase, right? But it's still not to the pre-COVID levels that we need in order to ensure you know, the stability there. Uh, we do anticipate that as we continue to work with, with high schools, with colleges, with universities, and are able to host blood drives on campus, that it's going to provide us the opportunity to educate uh, the, the youth on the importance of, of blood donations, right? Because that education is important. Sometimes people are scared to donate, donate blood if they're seeing that you know, they have to have a needle inserted into their arm. So really education, understanding why the product is needed as what Dr. Claire Murphy has been stating, you know, the need on the other side from the patients. But one thing that I was gonna say um, a little bit earlier is in terms of the demographics, something else that is important to note that with retired individuals 65 or older, we have seen an increase since the pandemic and overall donations with individuals that are retired 65 or older. And part of that could be that, you know, as you get older, uh, you get to know someone that has received blood. You yourself could have experienced a traumatic incident where you're receiving blood as well. So there's a, a higher level of, of potential commitment because you've, you've experienced that pain, right? The fact that you maybe lost somebody or the fact that you needed blood. So that's why the educational piece with youth is so important. It's not that we have a generation that doesn't want to give. It's that we need to ensure that we have the opportunity to be on campus, to educate, to support, and ensure that youth feel like they are the future of the blood donor program that's going to ensure that hospitals and patients have the blood that they need. Claire Murphy, we just have about a minute left. But if you were talking directly to people who have never given blood before or got out of the habit of it, what would you tell them? I would tell them, as I said before, the gift of blood is the gift of life. Think of people who are in the hospital right now, maybe some relative or a baby that was born that maybe needs blood emergently. I mean, there are people who need you. And just 15, 20 minutes of your time at a local blood center every 56 days can mean someone survived a traumatic event in the hospital. Claire Murphy and Angel Montez, thanks very much. Thank you, Dave. Claire Murphy is a pathologist at Pathology Consultants and the medical director of transfusion services at Riverbend Hospital. Angel Montez is the regional donor services executive for the American Red Cross's Northwest region.